0: and welcome to the Writers Tribe Talk Show. I'm your host, Elsa Kurt, and I'm excited about our guest today. Her name is Lynn Sheft, and she is the author of The Deadly Game. I can't wait to hear about this book. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Elsa. I am so glad to have you here, and I, I can't wait to hear about your book. But first, I want to hear about you. You are this is your debut novel. However, you are no stranger to the literary world. This is this has really been your playground, sort of, kind of, right, for quite some time, right? Yes, I've
1: I've been writing, but I was waiting for an agent, and <laughs> you know how tough that can be. Yes, and I did have a short story published through Level Best Books. Um, let's see, two thousand and nineteen. So that's when I said, well, if they're willing to publish it, I I need to do something about this.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How did uh so now that was a short story. Was that uh Trist with Fate? Is that right? Is that the name of it? Trist with Fate. Yeah. Trist with Fate. Yes. Um so so tell me a little bit about that whole process. You said you you wanted to first get an agent. That is as we all know, anybody that's in this Blaine, so to speak knows how challenging that can be um did you end up with an agent or did you just say let's go forward well um actually
1: I, I attended a webinar um in August of last year uh hosted by a literary agent and she was uh telling us about the trends in publishing and she she made a remark that just made me stand up and take notice she said um Suspense and thrillers are a tough sell to editors at publishing houses. Well, that's what I write. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Time for questions and answers and not everything. I said to her, Can you tell me why it's a tough sell? She said, Well, yeah, there are so many thriller writers and suspense writers out there who are gone independent and they're making good money and we can't compete. She says, They're very successful. So I said. Oh, okay. So I have uh, uh, two friends that have uh, self-published and they convinced me, go ahead and self-publish. The stigma is not there anymore. Exactly.
0: Yeah, so true. And and I know that that is what holds a lot of um, aspiring authors from going that route. We have the uh, mindset the old mindset that if you self-publish it means that you couldn't make it you know you couldn't get a traditional publisher and i remember when i published my first book i was like embarrassed to tell people that i was self-published because the stigma like you said and now it's uh you know you you have big big name authors who are who've changed. They've left their publishing houses and, and they're doing it on their own. And, uh, and, you know, I sorry to all the publishing companies out there. You are wonderful and I don't want to knock you, but when you can keep more of the money in your own pocket, it's almost a no brainer, right? Exactly. Exactly. How did so. you find that process of self-publishing? Was it easy, difficult? Do you recommend it to other authors? Oh, well, yes, but I mean, it, it was trial and error on my part. I went through
1: KDP, which mm-hmm. is Ken. Um, and I did, they they have this automatic download uh, program where you can just take your manuscript to put it in a PDF and upload it. And I didn't like the way it looked. I've been in advertising for about 40 years. And I know about typefaces and fonts and all this other stuff and um, letting and kerning and I looked at it and I said, this doesn't look professional. I didn't like the way it looked. So, uh, and they only gave you three choices of fonts. So I looked at the alternative, which was to do it yourself. So I did. Um, it took it took quite some time, but I worked out all little kinks because there are little kinks about tabs and all that. And I researched it and I fixed it. So the end is it looks professional. And I was very happy with it. That's I also fantastic. did. Cover. I went on Shutterstock and found a nice photo. So.
0: There's that beauty. That is a great photo. Yeah. Yes.
1: Because um, it, it, it gives the essence of the opening of the book. And um, and then for the back cover, I, I engaged um, a graphic designer who I've worked with for many years in, in Florida, and he did the back for me. So I was happy with the end result
0: that's fantastic yeah it looks gorgeous the story sounds so intriguing let's uh let's talk a little bit about that uh the deadly game give me a little bit of the the premise of the story even though i kind of cheated we got to tell the the audience
1: <laughs> uh well this story came about by riding my bike with my husband in coconut grove where i lived for many years um and he's a very fan, funny man he was always well, teased me and everything and um, but he would do this every single Sunday, went for a bike ride. He would run, race off, hide somewhere, come up from behind me, tap me on the shoulder and scare the woods out of me. So I kept thinking about this and I said, what if, because that's what writers do, what if, what if the husband disappeared and she couldn't find him? And that started the story.
0: That so, is so
1: cool. He's. She felt. She thought she knew him, and uh, you know, where is he? And it, it just one thing led to another, and that's how I developed the story.
0: I love that about the writing process that it just it comes from this the smallest thing, and then for a writer's mind, it just evolves into this. Huge thing. Uh, Now, tell me a little bit about your your writing style. Would you consider yourself like a a plotter? Did you sit down and, you know, map it all out? Or did you just sit down and start writing?
1: No, I'm a plotter. Um, Having an advertising background, you know, if I was given an assignment, for example, to write a brochure, well, I didn't just write the brochure. I outlined it because I had to know what was on what page and to give it to the graphic designer. That's how I did everything. I always knew what points I had to make, like in a TV commercial, radio commercial. I always knew what I had to cover. So it was natural for me to plot. So I first started out with doing the, uh, the outline of the novel. So I knew where it was going to go. And then I would do character sketches of everybody who was in the book. And, you know, so I really knew them as people, which seems odd. But that's what you do when you're a writer.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yes, every writer, you know, that's going to watch or listen to this is nodding their head, you know, like vehemently that absolutely that's there. Our characters are, are so real to us. And, and I think that's how you build great characters. You know, you do have to know them. You have to know their backstory and what motivates them and, you know, why they do all the things. And that's one of my favorite parts uh, of writing is getting to know my characters. Don't you love that? Like, didn't you get so invested in these characters and think right. about them when you weren't writing them? And yeah. oh, you, you You know, you think about them when you wake up in the morning, you know? <laughs> yes. Do you ever do you ever forget sometimes that they're not real? Like I know that sounds now somebody else is going to watch us and go, "Oh gee, she's she's you know off, off her rocker now. She's thinking her character's real." But don't you ever have those moments where you're thinking about this character and or uh, this moment in the book and you're like you're feeling if it's an upsetting moment, you're feeling like what is wrong? Something's off today. It's not right. Oh, uh, and you're like, "Oh, it's because of the book. It's the characters. It's what's going on with them, not real life."
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes yes, the the like when I'm writing a dialogue for a particular character, I almost feel like uh, I'm an, in that person and trying to uh figure out what their speech pattern is, for example, you know, like um like the uh antagonist i mean he you know he he was despicable actually, <laughs> mm. and he was rude, and uh so I got into that frame of mind because i I've heard people rude people talk like that you know? yeah.
0: So, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, actually. Oh, that's fantastic. What? Yeah, that's exactly it. It is so fun. And, and you know, anybody who ever wants to do this, I, I highly recommend it. It's you know, it's it's got a lot of trials and and uh, roadblocks and all of those things. But the whole process is so amazing. Uh, how long did it take you to write this book?
1: Uh, I would say uh, six months uh, plotting it out and thinking about it. Of course, I was working at the time. And then another six months to write it. Yeah. And then you have.
0: Then you have what? I'm sorry. You have to edit it. Yes. Oh, the editing process. Now, I remember a long time ago, I read um, Stephen King's On Writing and I thought it was such a great, great, great look inside the writer's mind and, and the process of all of that. And I took his advice, one of the things that he said that I had never done before, which was, he said, after he wrote a manuscript, he stuck it in a drawer for like three weeks, if not longer. And he didn't even look at it, didn't go near it, didn't, you know, tried to not think about it. And then in like three weeks, he would go back and then start doing the editing for it. Um, did you, did you do anything like that? Did you like go right into editing as soon as you finished or did you take a break from it for a little bit? I, I always take a break, okay. um,
1: I take about a week you know, and yeah. I don't take, it's a, you know, I'm anxious to get
0: back to it. I know, you know same. But, I, 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 can't wait that long when I'm working on a book, I can't wait to get back to it, but it is true that little break, uh, in between gives you a, a really fresh eye and fresh perspective too. And then you still, no matter how much editing you do, we all know, no matter how much self-editing you do, you miss so much. That's the truth. Oh, it's the so truth. shocking, isn't it? Too like, and it's probably not shocking anymore because you you know the process so well. But I remember being shocked, going, "But I read it so thoroughly. I thought I saw everything, and there was so much missed. It's
1: crazy. <laughs> it's for me. It was uh, omissions of mm. words.
0: Yes, you very know, common, right? I apostrophe
1: LL, the I LL was missing things like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so common because your brain is going so fast you just can't keep up with what, you know, you already are, you're seeing it and hearing it in your own head, so it just the the translation there doesn't always work so easily. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's good for somebody else to look at it. Yes, absolutely. Which, which I have and that no one caught it, caught it, you know, these things, but I just had my cousin, uh, I was in Naples last week and she read the book and she found things. Isn't that funny? He was a court reporter. That was her profession. Oh, I, you know, transcribe. And so she, she caught a lot and I was glad to do it because now I fixed it and I uploaded it. So it, it
0: should be perfect now. <laughs> yeah, and you know what and that's one, of, that's one of the perks of self-publishing that you can't anytime if anything like that happens, you know, because I think that's one of the fears and everybody think it's thinks it's like the kiss of death if god forbid there's a mistake in your book and guess what I've seen mistakes in books by, you know, published by the big 5. I've seen mistakes yep. in them. So we're in good company. It's okay. Yep. <laughs> but we Very just cool. get to we get good to fix baby. it a lot faster.
1: Yeah, there was a a book I read not too long ago by a major uh best-selling author and I found a major error. And it was the construction of a sentence was backwards. Oh,
0: yeah, it does, you know, in a, in a in a way it does make you feel good, right? Like you don't wish <laughs> you don't wish ill on anyone or anyone to have any mistakes that embarrasses them, but at the same time you're like, okay, they're human too. <laughs> Things get past them too. Yeah. Uh, now, um will there be so there isn't with these types of books, there isn't usually a sequel, right? There typically isn't or no, are they sometimes serious? See, I don't this is so out of my brain
1: This one could have a sequel. Oh I wrote it so that I could uh write one um because of the ending. Um in fact my my cousin said, are they gonna get together? Yeah. You know? And I said, oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, she was <laughs> okay, you know. She she I guess she wanted a romance out of the whole thing. Anyway, um, I said, "Well, you know, this is not a romance. This is, you know, this is a suspense novel." She "She says, well, it's something to think about." So I said, "Yes," but the second novel is uh, going to come out in the end of uh, uh, August, and that another Spence novel called Saving Maria.
0: That sounds really good. Can you can you give us any any uh, little little nuggets about that one, or not yet? Yeah, I can.
1: Um, It's written, I need to edit it. Okay. But it's about, um, you know, as I said, that for me, a lot of um, ideas come from my life as I'm living it. And this idea perks up. Well, I, um, in Florida, we had a lot of immigrants coming into the country. And, uh, you know, they're speaking Spanish. And they would go check out, you know, the grocery store and I'd hear, you know, Anglo people say, why don't you learn how to speak English? You know? And I thought, Hmm, poor lady. So I said, well, instead of being a problem, I said, maybe I can help with the solution. So I contacted Broward college and I became an instructor for ESOL students. Wow. So I taught these people who came in from uh, Brazil, uh, Colombia. Peru, I mean, you name it, all the South American countries, they came, were coming here because their country, Venezuela, particularly because they had a dictator that's horrible. So anyway, um, teaching these people, i learned their story. And one of my students who I called her Maria in my book, she had been kidnapped by FARC, which was a rebel group in Colombia. And they kidnapped her for four months. And so I tell her story. Oh wow. so in a flashback uh, what happened, but the story takes place with her in the United States and South Florida. And, uh, you know, once you have a green card, and you come here for political asylum. Uh, you can't go back because then you're saying that um, my life isn't threatened anymore. So the book opens with her getting a phone call from her mother. And she says, um, Maria, she says, you've got to come back. She says, your father's dying. He needs a kidney transplant and we don't know if he's going to get it. And I don't know when he's going to pass. You have to come back and reconcile with him. So that's where that story goes.
0: Wow, what an incredible story and that it's a true story too is that much more compelling and and so topical right now too. It's it's a it's a really great time for a book like that because this is you know such a a big topic in our country right, right. now. So uh when when's the expected release date approximately? Yeah. End of August. End of August. Very exciting. And um, I, we were talking a little bit before we went live. You've got another book, a totally different genre that is in the works as well. Is that right? You have something else in the works? Yeah.
1: Well, I started to write, I, I'm going to put it aside for a little while, but I was writing a romantic comedy that I was having great fun with. It had to do with um, with uh, two people on different sides of the law. He's oh, a and she just left her job as assistant uh, state attorney mm-hmm. in New York, and she's going to California. They meet on the plane, so sparks fly, you know. Um, but I'm actually going to—I put that on the back burner for right now because I started my third novel, actually, which is a uh, historical suspense that takes place in uh, New York City, uh, December 1941, after the United States declared war back on. Japan and, uh, Europe.
0: Wow. I love that you're, I love you have the, uh, a very eclectic writing style that you're, you're branching out into different lanes. I, it's totally relatable. I love different genres. Did you find that, did you find the transitions from one genre to another easy or, you know, do the stories kind of tell themselves in a way or call uh, them, call you to them?
1: Well, the historical, I decided to do that because I wanted to explore my mother's life because she grew up at that time. So I was trying to see what things would be like for her. And so it takes a lot more research because it's historical. But I'm learning so much and it's been a lot of fun. I've read a lot of books, you know, about Franklin D. Roosevelt, uh, about the time. I read a whole book on the FBI. So uh, it takes more time, but it's, it's, you know, it's invaluable information.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Oh, you get so much out of that. Do you? Uh, do you get lost in the research? Sometimes I get a little lost in the in the research. You go well, deep in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, you can, you know. But I, I say, well,
1: it's part of the process. I don't absolutely. make myself.
0: About it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you give yourself a time frame for uh, the start of writing a book to end, or do you just let it happen naturally?
1: I actually let it happen naturally, unless I find I'm, I'm procrastinating. <laughs> and I said okay I uh, get the velcro on the seat and sit there
0: <laughs> yes yes I'll put a, I'll put a calendar up on the if I find myself doing that I'll put a calendar up on the wall and circle the the due date for the book and then it's like oh shoot I better get moving here <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. But it's you know it's um I don't pressure myself too much because I I enjoy the writing mm-hmm. and if it's too much pressure it's not fun
0: anymore. That's so true. That's so true. You have to be able to keep enjoying it. Once it becomes a, a, a burden or a task or something you dread, that's like the the kiss of death for it, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Um. So now, so let's see. So your your first your short story was published in was that two thousand nineteen? Is that right? Right. right. And then um, the deadly game was published in just this Twice. year. Okay. So and and you have essentially three other books in the works, really, which is really, really impressive. And um, did you find that when you published that first work that it like opened up the floodgates? Have you been able to even stop since you started? Well, I, it's just
1: um, so exciting because I've gotten, you know, five-star reviews on Amazon. Yes. Which affirms that I am a good writer, you know? Yes. Uh, people have said, you kept me up late at night because I couldn't put it down. So that's the nicest compliment an author can ever receive.
0: yes, oh, you are kidding. seen those five, you know, we always uh, we try not to you know it's it's this catch twenty two I think we try not to read the reviews, um but we also need the reviews, and we can't help but read the reviews and when they're good ones it it feels really, really good and i I did see that i I, I looked over on Amazon and yes, you are all five star reviews, and that is uh. That's, that's a great feeling to, to see that and get that validation, you know? Exactly, exactly. Because, you know, we always have self doubts. Oh, you aren't kidding. Now, you are also part of a writers group in our mutual home state of Connecticut. Uh, what's the name of that again, the writers group you're in?
1: Well, I'm in two uh, Mystery Writers of America and Sisters in Crime. Okay. And, um, it's not a group that's actually always sharing you know, swapping pages. It's, it's more of a community okay. support where we support each other and doing uh, readings or, you know, having events or something. For example, we're going to have an event in uh, June 22nd at the Scranton Library featuring a well-known uh, author. So that should be fun. And uh, we're going to plan events through Sisters in Crime throughout the year.
0: That is so great, and you know, I think it's so great to be a part of different organizations for writers. Because you know, we talk about this often. I should say, I talk about this often on the show. How writing in itself is an isolating experience, and you know, it's just you and the laptop or paper, however you write. And uh, we tend to forget that there's this whole world, this whole community out there that's very, very supportive and very helpful and beneficial to authors because of things like this, you know, author events, the networking and connecting. And uh, yeah, they are great things to get involved in for sure. Are you doing yeah. any are you doing any um book signing events coming up? I know I know COVID has kind of thrown everything off schedule for everyone a little bit. Um, but do you have anything coming up?
1: No, I don't, but I would like to um yeah. have to, you know, I'm trying to coordinate with the with the writers' groups. Uh yeah. but I did have uh some months ago at a um uh, a continuing care community for seniors. And oh, they no. got a out of it, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a great group. They're they're avid readers. They're big readers. So okay. that's a great audience. Absolutely, yes, for sure. Yes. Um, so Lynn, tell everyone where they can find your book, where they can find you, if you have social media links, website, any of that good stuff. Where can everybody find you in your books?
1: Okay, you can um, anybody can buy a book, uh, ebook, or paperback on Amazon. Uh, I am going to contact the Barnes and Nobles throughout the state in Florida. Uh, in the next week or two, because I also made my book available through Ingram Spark. So that you know, the bookstores, if they can't return books, they don't want to order them for you. So I'm going to do that. So they should be available. And if I can get through Barnes and Noble, I hope to do some uh, book signings through them
0: outstanding. Well, we look forward to that for sure. That's going to be uh, some good stuff. I'm looking forward to the the next books to come out too. I've got The Deadly Game in my TBR list. It is high up on the list. I try and pick one for for each genre and put them at the top of the list because I I like read in the car. Well, not read in the car. Listen to audiobooks in the car. I don't read in the car, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but I've got the audiobooks in the car. I've got the bedside book. I've got something on my phone, so I have something for everywhere that I can read. So very high on the list. Um, This has been Lynn She She's the author of The Deadly Game. Please go check it out. It looks phenomenal and uh, it's getting great reviews. So we know it's really good. And uh, that's it for our show today. Thank you guys so much for watching and we'll see you in the next episode. Take care. Thank you very much, Elsa. Thank you.